When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. beloved welcome to another chapter of the book of sean got a great show for you tonight my dear sister mimi harrison is here and she has an amazing story about where life will take you and the things we do because we've all done some things that we're not proud of some things we wish we could do over some things that quite honestly that we regret and my sister's here because she's come back from the other side to tell those of us on this side what it's like to end up somewhere you never thought you'd ever be. Yeah, I can't wait to talk to her. I've already spoken to her. I love her heart. I love her energy. And you're going to love her too. We're going to do some Ask Dr. Sean as we always do. But before we begin, let's do some headlines, people. Play the bumper highly. <laughs> So I've always said that I think women are a lot stronger than men. A lot of men don't like it when I say that, but I don't really care. Most women are emotionally, psychologically stronger than most men. Maybe not physically, but in ways that are equally important, most women are stronger than men. And I got a story to prove it. So check this out. Nine-month pregnant firefighter rescues a woman trapped in a car and then went to the hospital and gave birth. I could really walk off the set right now. Her name is Megan Warfield, and she's a volunteer firefighter in Baltimore County who at the time was serving on administrative capacity while she was waiting to give birth. Because, you know, you're nine months pregnant, you don't want to be out there fighting fires. You know, you sit at the desk and you answer the phones, you know, while you wait to give birth to an entire human being. Well, anyway, just a week before she was about to give birth, did you hear what I just said? Just a week before she was due to give birth, Megan was involved in a multi-car, car rather, car accident. And um, thankfully, she survived the car accident and with no injuries, but while she was involved in the car accident, someone was trapped in their car. So she got out of her car, and instead of, you know, going to get medical attention, which she probably needed and deserved because she's nine months pregnant, she went to rescue someone trapped in the car. That's what Megan did. Megan facilitated the evacuation and the rescue of someone who was strapped in the car. She's nine months pregnant, people, okay? See, it's important to remember 
She's not six months pregnant or four months pregnant. All the women, all the sisters watching, you know what I'm saying. She's nine months pregnant. And let me be very, very clear about this. I've never been pregnant, and I don't want to be. <laughs> I, I have no desire to ever know what that feels like. But I have kids, and I've been around women who have been pregnant. And the sense that I get from listening and watching them is that when you're nine months pregnant, the only thing you want to do is get that baby out. All the women say amen. You know, you, you ain't got, you, listen, let me tell you something. Ain't never been pregnant, don't want to be. But if I was a woman and I was nine months pregnant, I'd be on the couch. <laughs> you hear me? I wouldn't be rescuing nobody. But you know why I say that? Because I'm a man. <laughs> Come on, man. Women are amazing. They're, women are amazing. The strength, the courage, the tenacity, the, the, the bravery, the, the temerity, the audacity, the brilliance, the beauty. Huh? Women are amazing. And this story proves it. And that's why I'm so mad at the country that I live in because America has never loved or respected women. This country has always treated women as the object of desire or sexual gratification or some egotistical trip that men happen to be on. You know how I know it? Because women don't get equal pay for equal work. Hello. You know how I know it? Because the Supreme Court just took a woman's right and capacity to make her own decisions with her body away from her. I wish I lived in a better country. I'm hoping one day that it will. I'm hoping this country will one day be the kind of country that women deserve. All right, let's move on. <laughs> so let's talk about Steve Scalise. Republican Congressman Steve Scalise acknowledged recently, listen to this, that the Republican Party has a plan to change Social Security and Medicare and Medicare if Republicans take control of the House of Representatives. So Social Security was put in place by President uh, Franklin Roosevelt and Medicare was put in place by Lyndon Baines Johnson. And both programs were put in place to make sure that citizens could age with dignity and that they would have health care and be able to have food in the evening of the years. And as far as I'm concerned, Social Security and Medicare are the moral responsibility of a rich country. It is what we owe our elders who have worked hard, played by the rules, paid their taxes, raised their families, went to work every day, right? That's what, we, that's what we owe the elders for being who they are and have lived their lives in a certain way. So that when they come to the evening of the years and they're advancing in age, they don't have to worry about being homeless. Because nobody who is 65, 70, 80, 90 years old should have to worry about being homeless in a rich country. See, you shouldn't have to worry about that in the country that's willing to spend billions and billions upon billions upon billions on bombs. We can spend billions on bombs, but Republicans want to change Social Security and Medicaid. 
So Steve Scalise claims that Republicans just want to tweak it a little bit, just want to make a couple of changes. And let me be honest with you, some of the changes that I heard that they want to make are not totally unreasonable. Like, for example, from what they said, they want to raise the eligibility age so that you can come into the program when you're 70. Now, that's not totally unreasonable because people are living longer, right? People are living longer. And so, you know, that's not totally unreasonable. And people are working longer. They also want to make it the case that if you retire, retire rather early, that you have to wait to come into the program. That's not totally unreasonable either. If you retire at 50, you shouldn't get Social Security. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, so it's not, the changes are not totally unreasonable. There's one change that's crazy. Here it is. They want to take advantage of Social Security by privatizing some of the funds and the funding revenue streams, which sounds like a recipe for desire, disaster, rather, to me. But here's the real problem. I don't trust Republicans. I don't trust the Republican Party to just make a few tweaks and changes. I don't trust them to come into the whole conversation and just tweak this and tweak that. I don't trust them for good reason. What did Maya Angelou say? When people show you who they are, you need to believe them. And for over 40 years, the Republican Party has wanted to get rid of Social Security and to get rid of Medicaid and Medicare. Get rid of it, not change it, get rid of it. So I don't trust them. I don't want the Republican Party putting their hands on Social Security and Medicare because I don't know what they'll do with it. You hear what I'm saying? There are a lot of people running around here talking about, I don't see the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. What's the difference between the Democrats and Republicans? I'll tell you the difference. One party, doesn't want your grandmother to be able to pay for the food that goes in her belly and the rent that goes over and the, and the roof over her head from a guaranteed income from the government. And the other party, the Democratic Party, wants your grandmother not to be hungry and not to be homeless by giving her a guaranteed income and access to health care. And if you don't see the difference, there's something wrong with you. How about I move on? <laughs> Mimi, I'm coming to you. I heard this story, <clears throat> and I thought this story was absolutely insane. Um, I couldn't believe that this actually happened. So recently on a flight from Tampa to Newark, New Jersey, passengers found out to their chagrin that a garden snake was loose on the plane. Lord have mercy. <laughs> yes, people, passengers on board the plane said that people in business class started shrieking and freaking out, pulling up their feet when they realized that a snake was crawling around on the plane. Can you imagine being on the flight with a snake crawling around on the plane? Let me tell you something, I literally would have died. I'm telling you, I would have died. <laughs> I can't deal with snakes, people. You hear me? 
In fact, I went to a event with a friend of mine to someone else's house. And when we got to the house, I walked in the, in the door and they had snakes in their house. I immediately turned around, walked out of the house and took my behind home. That's how much I don't deal with snakes. And you telling me on a flight from Florida to New Jersey, I got a snake crawling around that Lord have mercy. I, I couldn't have dealt with it. I'd have been drinking vodka. <laughs> it's a, oh, I'd have lost all my salvation. I'm telling you, listen, man, I, um, I don't understand people who fall in love with reptiles. I don't understand people who have an emotional connection to reptiles. Oh, you thought I was talking about snakes on the plane? Mm-mm. I'm actually talking about people. Take that off of there. I'm actually talking about people who fall in love with other people who are emotionally indifferent and unavailable. I'm not talking about snakes on a plane anymore. I'm talking about all the men and women who are connected to people who are cold and indifferent and only want what they want when they want it and you keep loving them. You are willing to be connected to people who are narcissistic, who are seedy, and only think about how something is advantageous to them, which is exactly what a reptile does. I don't understand people who fall in love with a reptile. How are you with somebody who's cold and indifferent, shows you no affection, never says they love you, never do, they never do anything to make you feel special, and you keep running back to them? I know you wish I was still talking about snakes on a plane, but I'm not. I'm talking about all your friends who are narcissistic and selfish. But here's the good thing. The, the best thing about a snake is that a snake will always be a snake. It will never not be a snake. So that when a snake bites you, it's only doing what it was born to do. You can't blame the snake for doing what it was born to do. You just have to question why you picked it up in the first place. And I'm not talking about snakes on a plane. Let me do one more Mimi, because I'm about to start cussing. So a lot of y'all like automatic cars. And I know a lot of people like these self-driving cars. Juan, you like self-driving cars? Thank you, brother. He don't like them either. And their recent report just, just came out, which said that 11 people were killed using automatic tech driving systems in the last four months, or at least in the, in the first four months of this year. 11 people lost their lives. And to be fair, resources, researchers rather are not completely sure if it was totally the fault of the automatic system or if the driver played some part, but they know that there's some kind of mutual mess happening that made 11 people lose their lives. Now, that's interesting, but more interesting is that apparently, did you notice one? They have self-driving motorcycles. Yeah, Juan said, what? They have self-driving motorcycles, and apparently there's been four incidents of people getting into crashes because of the self-driving system of motorcycles. Let me tell you all something. I may, be un may, I may be able to understand a self-driving car, but I will never understand a self-driving motorcycle. Never. There's no reason in the, I'm not letting a satellite and a computer drive my motorcycle. 
as hazardous as driving a motorcycle is, you got to be high. Here's the point I want to leave you with before I take this break. I don't care how much technology we get. I don't care how much digital advancement we achieve. There are some things you still have to do yourself. There are some things human beings have to do, and we're never going to get away from it. We can go to the moon and Mars. We can go to Jupiter and Saturn. We can create every app you can possibly think of, an app to give you a massage, an app to go shopping for you. But there's still some things you're going to have to do for yourself. And one of them happens to be loving the people in your life. Hot grease. Let's take a break, beloved. When I come back, my sister Mimi is here. Can't wait to talk to her. You don't want to miss this. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. So here's the truth. All of us have a journey. We've all come from somewhere. And nobody dropped out of heaven. We all climbed up out of hell, which means we've all had to deal with something in a season of our lives that challenged us in every way. And if you haven't done it, it's only because you haven't lived long enough yet. But for all the grown folks watching, you're going to love my guest. Welcome to the show tonight, Mimi Harrison. Hey, Mimi. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Dr. Sean. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I told you before the show how much I love your smile. And tell <laughs> everybody you. what you told me about that smile when you were younger. Um, well, being that I'm from Omaha, Nebraska, it was... Um, it wasn't a lot of black children where I grew up at, like where my mom moved to. So I was always told how my teeth were so big and my smile was ugly. And at first, you know, I used to hate my smile because of that. And I'm glad I'm happy for my big teeth now. I grew into them or however they are, they're mine. So I like them and I'm happy for them. And when you told me that before the show, I said to you, the devil is a lie. Yes, you did, <laughs> and he is. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, isn't it amazing how something that used to be a burden in one season of your life can be a blessing at another season of your life? Yes, it is. It, it totally is. It's like people always say, your smile, your smile, and I'm like, wow. When I was young, I didn't even want to smile because... I was so used to being told that my teeth were too big or being called horse teeth or just different things like that. I was called that and I was dark, so mm. I didn't have a chance like in the 70s. And now they have to watch you on TV now. How about yes. that? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> All right, With listen, more let, to come. Yes, that's right. So let, let's get into it, okay? Because I want people to really get a sense of your story and your journey. And I'm okay. hoping you will trust me with the details of the story. And I promise to treat them with respect and love. Um, so I'll begin this way. You spent five years in prison. Tell yes, everybody how you ended up there. How did you get there? So um, being, like I said, I was raised and born in Omaha, Nebraska. Came from a family church of God in Christ. Um, fast forward. I moved to Kansas City, Missouri as a teenager. And instead of going to McDonald's or somewhere to get a job, I started sell, I first I started shoplifting, then I started selling drugs and everything came after that. It just, I spiraled out of control. Mm. You know, it's interesting. 
And it's funny how the universe, life, love, God does this. Because I, I had no intention of, of talking to you about your smile at all. Um, I was only going to talk to you about your journey. But I want to put the two things together by asking this question. When you were doing this, when you were shoplifting, when you were doing criminal behavior, and I want you to dig deep for this, how did you really feel about yourself? Um, I felt that I just, I wanted to be in the in crowd. I felt like I was a people pleaser. Mm. 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 Yeah. So, so, um, you know, as, as we work on the technical part of this, um, I asked her that question because one of the things I'm convinced of is that when we're doing something that we know is wrong, it's normally connected to how we feel about ourselves behind closed doors. So, so, so Mimi, you're back. Um, um, I asked you that question because, and correct me if I'm wrong, but, but I'm convinced, I'm absolutely convinced that people who engage uh, Mimi, that, that a part of why you were engaging in that behavior is because a part of you didn't like you in that season. Absolutely. Yeah. And I wanted to be liked. I wanted, I, it went, it all went into me being a people pleaser because I wanted people to like me. You know, all my life I've been called dark, black. Um, I don't have the biggest behind like women do. So it, it was a lot of mm. probably insecurities that made me just do like, I, I'm a boss up no matter mm. what, if what, what this don't replace the money's going to replace it and they're going to respect me no matter what. Mm. Mimi, I love you already, just so you know. And what I love, just to be clear, when people say that they love us, they should always be specific. You should always say to someone, what do you love about me? So when, I'm, when I say this to you, in a platonic sense, of course, when I say this to you, what I mean is I love your authenticity. I love your honesty. I love your ability to really think about yourself. So, so, so here it is. Who were you trying to please? Um, I guess once I started like selling drugs and I'm shoplifting and it's like, I'm going to skating rings. I'm going to, I, first of all, I just, I, I, I liked nice things because mm. my mom was a pathologist from me being two years old. So I got gifts from my mom. I used credit cards when I was 12 years old. So I was used to nice things. And when she wasn't giving me everything I wanted, I wanted more. So first of all, I went to probably me trying to look good for myself because probably my self-esteem of being talked about in Nebraska. Mm. Then it went to, hey, now I'm getting guys that like me and it's females in Kansas City. I have competition. And it's like, oh, I'm gonna be right in with them. Yeah. So what did you losing your freedom teach you? Um, it it taught me that I had to stop blaming everything on everybody else and mm. take accountability for my actions, for one. Um, it taught me that I never want to be away from my children again. And it most definitely taught me no amount of money is worth 
worth going to prison to me, especially yeah. being away from my kids. Yeah, yeah. Because here's what I know for sure. The people who are attracted to you because you have something or give them things are never mm -hmm. attracted to you. They're attracted to the benefits. Did I get that right? Yes, and I, I wanted to um, piggyback, if I can, on yeah. something you said earlier about the reptiles. I think you were talking about me, even though you don't, haven't talked to me about it, but all that goes in with that as well. Mm. So you were drawn to indifferent, cold, standoffish, selfish people. Yes. Wow. And I always tried to make everybody happy when like everybody came to me, I was like the stronger one. Mm. Um, everybody thought I was strong because I always had the, it was like I carried the world on my shoulder. Mm. So I really didn't have a lot of people to go through be, to because it was like, she's the strong one when, when jail taught me I wasn't the strong one and it was okay for me to show my weaknesses. Mm. You know, when you mentioned the reptiles, your face changed. What are you feeling? Tell me what you're feeling. Oh God, so much. I just, it's like, even with relationships, it's like, I'm, I try to give to a lot um, with the reptile, with friends, mm -hmm. with anybody. It's like when you can give something, everything's okay. But when you don't have anything to give, you just left alone. So yeah. it puts you with the confidant, separates the constituents from the confidants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah. Let, me ask, let me ask you a question that I've been waiting to ask you all day. Yes, sir. Have you forgiven yourself? I totally, it took prison for me to forgive myself. Finally, mm. I have. Mm. And Tell me what you had that. to forgive about yourself. Um, I had to get, forgive myself for one, for I felt like I let my family down. My mom, with my mom, she she was always there for me. My mom passed away, rest in peace, um, mm. November 2020. So with her always like, people are saying you doing this and that. And I'm like, no, they are lying. And so I lied a lot. I, um, I did a lot of manipulating. I regret that, you know, I had to leave my kids. So it's more, more about my family than anything. Mm. Mm. And I had to, I just had to forgive myself, you know, cause it was like, oh, I left my daughter here. I left this. And then I had to just think God took me away to straighten me out. Mm. Yeah. Listen, sometimes God has to stop your life to save your life. Right. Yes. But, but you know, I, I want to add some things to that list. Okay? okay. Because I think you're right with respect to needing to forgive yourself for whatever shame you brought to your family or whatever disappointment you brought to your mom. But, but, but let's, let's go deeper. I think that the forgiveness is really about you understanding that you were broken when you committed the crime, that you were wounded when you took whatever you took, that it was not you, it was the broken, wounded, depleted, ostracized, made fun of, talked about, version of yourself and that if you had been who you really are and if you had been treated by the world the way you deserve to be treated you would have never done any of that so uh, what i'm saying is 
You know, some people, sometimes we have to forgive ourselves, not just for what we did to other people. We have to forgive ourselves for the things we could not give to ourselves, not because we didn't want them, but because we didn't have them. Listen, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk more to Mimi about forgiveness because I fundamentally believe that the path to freedom always goes through the door of forgiveness. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. So um, we're talking to Mimi Harrison, and it really is an amazing story. She's an amazing person. You know, everything factored in, multiplied and divided. She, in a lot of ways, is a survivor. I know a lot of you have noticed we're having a couple of technical difficulties, so y'all bear with us. Um, but nevertheless, Mimi's back. Mimi! <laughs> hey, Dr. Shah. Um, you know, let's, let's go back to forgiveness. I, I want, I want to stay there just a little while longer because what I was trying to get you to embrace, understand, or whatever the word is, is that you came to the moment of your demise already wounded, already suffering. And here's my point. The wounded you is not the same person as the healed and delivered you. And what I'm saying to you is, in addition to forgiving yourself with respect to your family, your mom, you need to forgive yourself for being broken. What say you? Yes. Yeah. That's true. And I've I've prayed to God. I try, you know, and I I really do. I still I'm working on it and I thank you for that because I try and I try, I cry. When I need to cry more, I cry now and I used to wouldn't cry. Yeah. It was just things like that because it was like, I'm not going to cry about anything. So it's like now the chains are being broken and Good. the break, the, the, doing that is just helping me build myself up and be a better person. Good, good, good. Because you didn't break yourself. The world did that to you. We did that to you. And, that, and that's what you always have to remember. That's, that's what it means to give yourself grace. To give yourself grace means that you understand that you were born into a world that you didn't choose. Especially being a black woman. Listen, <laughs> you said a lot right there. So yes. let, let's change gears a little bit because um, I'm going to ask you a question and it seems, I don't know, uh, gratuitous, but I'm going somewhere. So during the height of your criminal enterprise, <laughs> how much were you making? Like how much was I making? Yeah, roughly. Um, I mean, it just depends on probably, it was different times. I might be selling different things. So, I mean, it could be, Hundreds of thousands, fifty thousand. Wow. Twenty-five thousand. Just, just it all just depend. It just, it came so fast, and that you know, that's my problem now. Even with yes. my businesses. Yes. Yeah, um, that see, Mimi, I have. Mimi, mm -hmm. that, that's exactly why I asked the question because okay. for, for for two reasons. First reason is, and be honest about this: Are you ever tempted to go back to that? Yeah, um, I, I have thoughts, you know, it's mm -hmm. certain days, like my business, it does well. I have a um, wellness company, Mimi's Wellness. So it does very well. I have um, 
a publishing company. And some days though, it might be, you know, the store might not do what I want it to do. And that thought goes right into my head about if I was selling some drugs or if I was doing a flight, anything, I wouldn't have to worry about a thousand dollars. I can make a thousand dollars in an hour, 30 minutes. So I'm still fighting that part with the instant gratification of I can't travel all the time. Like I can just jump on a plane back then and my homegirls might be like, let's go to LA and let's go to Mr. Chow and eat. Now they call me like, let's go to LA. I'm like, when are we booking this flight? You know, I have to make reservations and plan it and all this now. So. So how do you feel about your new normal? Because that's very different than the life you lived before. How do you feel about that? Um, content. Um, I don't have to watch my back anymore. Nobody's going to be kicking in my house. Um, I'm at peace. Mm. I don't have uh, everything I had. Like, you know, I don't have the bigger, biggest bathroom right now. And, you know, like a few weeks ago, I was like this, this tub and this bathroom is so small. But then I had to look at, I was in the federal prison for five years and I had to walk in a shower with 15 other women with shower shoes on. So I, I'm counting my blessings. Mimi, that was so good that if you were here, I'd slap you with my shoe. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I would pop you with this shoe. That's how good that was. When you say content, I had to resist lifting my hands. <laughs> almost went to church. Yes. Listen, ain't nothing like being able to go to sleep at night and know ain't nobody about to kick in your door. That's right. Woo, I'm That's done. That's right. Juan, come do the rest of the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. So let me ask you, I'm asking you a two-part question. In this season of your life, what's the best part? And in this season of your life, what's the hardest part? Um, the best part is, um, I'm loving my family. Mm. They don't have to, you know, in the beginning, it, I, it used to be, oh, I do this for you. And it never was for them. It was for me. They would, didn't care. They would have took me broke, mm. but the mm. best part is spending time with my family. Um, I have, like I said, Mimi's wellness and to help people. And it helps me practice what I preach. And it just gives me light to tell people to tell me how much um, I help them. And even like how my smile brings joy to their, you know, in their life. So I'm happy for all those things. And I'm not manipulating anybody anymore. And I'm not scamming. And I'm still me. I still got the gangster <laughs> in me, but I'm just a legit gangster now. <laughs> so, so tell me again. You may have mentioned it. Here's the second part of the same question. What's the hardest part? Um, not being able to do what I want to do, the mm. instant gratification. Mm. So when, when, when those thoughts come to you, how do you resist them? Um, I think about prison and those females that was in them showers by me and all the females that didn't wash their hands walking out of the restroom and all the females I had to get into it with and I'm not going back. I know that's that right. That right there 
the walls are cold and I want to be at home. I know that's here. right. I'm not. Listen, Mimi, you preaching tonight. I'm not. That's a word, people. <laughs> I'm not going back. Say it till it get up in your spirit and make your head shake like that. I'm not going back. All right, I got to let you go. But before I let you go, I want to do something we call, which would you rather have? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mimi. So which would you rather have? And then tell me quickly why. Money or freedom? Um, I would rather have freedom because I can make money if I'm free. Huh. How about that? That part. Which would you <laughs> rather have? Power or a peace of mind? Most definitely a peace of mind. Which would you rather have, Mimi? Someone who needs you or someone who loves you? Someone most definitely that loves me. Tell me real quick why. Because I've I've had too many people that already needed me, and that's why I'm single and a single by myself right now. I want to be loved. I'm a lovable person, and I deserve to be loved. Here's what I've learned, Mimi: that anybody who needs you will resent you before it's all over. All right, here's my last one: which would you rather have? Fame to the degree that everybody knows who you are or significance to the degree that people have been impacted by your life? Number two, significance. <laughs> Tell me why. Because um, fame, everybody that's fame, that has fame, mostly half of them, they all crazy. <laughs> I want to be loved. I want to be remembered for my integrity and not just trying to get some money and want people to love me. I love Mimi. I love Mimi. (laughs) I love you. Do you hear me? Oh, why you love me? (laughs) Because you're authentic. You are real. You are honest. You are vulnerable. And you spent a night in the day in the deep. You know what it is to dance in the dark. And you've come back to the light to tell the rest of us, don't go there. Play with me. I know my reasons. <laughs> Mimi, come back and see me, okay? Most definitely. Thank you for having me. I had a good time, and I really appreciate you. You are a pleasure and a gift. And you said something that I will never forget. I'm going to talk about this on the other side of the break. You said your family would have loved you even if you were broke. Lord have mercy. We'll be right back with some aha moments right after this. Welcome back, everybody. So, Mimi, right? What an amazing spirit, an amazing person, and a great conversation. And I'm asking all of you to keep Mimi in your prayers as she goes to greater levels and new heights, but this time doing it from a place of strength and confidence, no longer vulnerable and broken and wounded by the world that produced her, but now coming into full gratification for who she is smiling and not caring about who don't like the brilliance of her smile. I learned some things from this conversation, not the least of which happens to be what I said before we took our break. Mimi said something that really affected me, and it was 
her family would have loved her even if she was broke. But the problem was, in that moment, in that season, she didn't know that. She didn't believe that. She didn't understand that. And all of us need to get that. The people that love you will love you if you were on the bus, living in a one-bedroom apartment or a studio with one pair of shoes and one shirt. Because what they love is not what you give them or what you bring to the table. What they love is you, your smile, your sense of humor, your wisdom, your insight, your presence. Always strive to be connected people, to people rather who love you and who will love you even if you had nothing to offer. A lot of us have connections with people who are only connected to us because of what we do for them. They're enthralled and enamored with the benefits. But who will be there when you don't have nothing to offer except for the gift that you are? Mm, that's good. All right, beloved, let's do some Axe Dots to Sean. Highly play the bumper man. You guys always send me amazing videos, and I'm always grateful for the ones that you send. Let's take a look at this one. Hey, Dr. Sean, my name is Al Lomax, and I need some advice. If you feel as though a family member is potentially in an abusive relationship, should you confront them, or should you perhaps wait for them to come to you? Great question, and thank you for that question. Um, let's take confrontation out of it, because when people are being abused, the last thing they need is for someone to come down on them or to make them feel even worse about the situation that they're in. I do think that when you know someone's being hurt and you care about them, you have a moral obligation and responsibility to say something. You have a moral obligation and responsibility to go to them in love and in truth and to say to them, this is what I see. It's not confrontation in the sense that this is about to be an argument. This is your version of the story against my version of the story. No, 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 no. This is me telling you what I see and what I'm concerned about. And here's the important part, what I hope for you. Because when you tell people what you hope for them, they're more likely to hear the parts of the conversation that are difficult to hear. You go to someone and you say to them in a very deliberate and sustained way, I see you broken. I see you being hurt. I want you to know that I notice it. And I notice it not because I'm nosy. I notice it because I care about you and I see you. You are not invisible to me. Then you let people know what you want for their lives and what you pray for their future. And then this is the hardest part. Because after you said that to someone, it doesn't mean that they're going to change their mind and walk away from the abuser. It doesn't mean that they're going to change anything. What you have to be willing to do is to give people what you hope for them, even if they don't respond to what you're saying right away. This isn't a test of your friend. It's a test of your friendship. How many times can you tell someone you love them and you care about them and they don't respond? Or at least respond in the way that you want them to. What I would say to you, keep loving your friend 
and keep standing outside of the abuse, wooing her, seducing her, pulling her back to the light. That's your obligation. But you can only do it if you're willing to stand outside of the cave and to remind her there's life beyond the hurt. Lord have mercy. Let's take a break. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everybody. So someone DM'd me <laughs> this question. My son's father recently came out to me. I'm a very religious, I'm very religious rather, and believe that homosexuality is a sin. I have decided that I don't want our son to visit his dad because I have no idea what he will be exposed to. Am I wrong for making this decision? Yes. And you're a bigot. And you're selfish. And that's his dad. First of all, I'm going to say it because a lot of people won't. There's no sin in two consenting adults loving each other. Love is not sin. Sin is what you're doing. Sin is projecting your fears and anxiety and all the crazy things that you picked up from social media. Oh, no, no, no. Let me not blame social media that you picked up from church, from Bishop Porkchop and Reverend Pigfeet and Evangelist Collard Greens who sat up in the church and indoctrinated you that two consenting adults was problematic. While half of them are sleeping with each other sin, and divorce. How is it possible for you to go to a church where leaders in the church are divorced, pastors are divorced, and clearly that's a sin in the Bible. In fact, Jesus said that that was a sin while he never said anything about homosexuality. You, you, you got to stop this. First of all, I, I'm so disappointed that you would think that this boy's father would expose him to something that would hurt him. I'm so disappointed that you don't have enough wherewithal to believe that in spite of his father's sexuality, what he wants for his son is the best, always. So disappointed. I'm, I'm often disappointed with so-called religious people who do this, who want to make their subjective, provincial, antithelovian views about other people the norm and the standard for everybody else. That's his father. And that will be his father for the rest of his life. And even after that man is in the grave, that will still be his father. And you cannot keep him from his dad. Because here's what's going to happen. One of these old mornings, he's going to wake up and be 14, 15, 16 years old, and he is going to want his father. And then what are you going to tell him? I kept you from your dad because he was gay? Here's a newsflash for you. Kids nowadays are not caught up in people being gay. They don't care. What they care about are the important things about someone's character and how they treat people. 
How are you going to explain it to your son when he turns 15, 16 years old and he's living in a completely different world than the one that you were born in, that you kept him away from his father because he was gay? Are you wrong? Hell yeah. All right. Take a break. <laughs> Not a break from the show, just a personal break. <laughs> anyway, I got another video. Let's take a look at it. Hi, Dr. Sean. My name is Kristen from Wisconsin, and I need some advice. So I like my company. My boss is great, but I am ready to go to the next level in my career. And I don't see any opportunities to advance at the company right now. Should I start looking for positions outside the company or should I just be patient? First, thank you for the question. And secondly, I love your glasses. I know some great glasses, great pair of glasses. You got style. All right, here's my advice. Um, how about you do both? How about you maintain your status where you are but you actively seek, search, look for other opportunities to take yourself higher. What I love about you and your question is that you have ambition and you're not ashamed of it. You're not apologizing for it. You know your worth, you know your greatness, and you are always looking to go high. I wish more people in the world had your perspective because I don't care what job you have and I don't care how good it is, you should always be looking to do more. And if you're not looking to do more, be more, have more, there's not something wrong with your job, there's something wrong with you. But you, in this case, can have your cake and eat it too. Or eat your cake and have it too. I won't go into why anyway. The point is, you can do both. Keep your job and then actively search out, rather, how it is you might expand your horizons. Because you might discover that after you look and diligently search, there are opportunities just waiting for you. There might be some low-hanging fruit right around the corner that you can put your hand on right away. And then that's when the real challenge will start. See, the real challenge isn't between staying where I am and looking for someone somewhere else. The real challenge is staying where I am, where everything is great, and then going somewhere else with things I don't know, with an opportunity that I think will be better. The real question is how do you choose between better and really good? Yeah, and my sister, when that happens, that's when your commitment to greater will be put on display. So don't prepare yourself for the search you're going to find what you're looking for. You're going to find everything that you deserve. Prepare yourself for the possibility and the problem of having what you want and what you want more. I'll leave it to you to decide how to deal with that. Or send me another video. <laughs> Listen, everybody, an amazing show tonight. Absolutely love Mimi. I hope you were blessed, edified, and educated, entertained, and inspired by that conversation. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. I believe everything's going to be all right. Keep going, beloved. 
Yeah, they're playing music in my ear. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. I'll see you next time. I love you. Be good to each other. Woo! Let's do this again, Juan.